Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In most episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. The Law Enforcement Today show brought to you in part by Galls, G-A-L-L-S.com. Again, their website is G-A-L-L-S.com. They've been supplying first responders, police officers, law enforcement, public safety, firefighters for more than 50 years. And they got a huge selection of products that anybody can use from outerwear, boots, clothing, you name it. They got it at Gulls.com. And we here at Law Enforcement Today have lots of great contests. We've got prize giveaways from Gulls. Get more details on our Facebook page. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Click like when you get there. And also on our website as well, lawenforcementtoday.com. And when you have a chance, check out Galls at galls.com, G-A-L-L-S.com on Facebook and Instagram as well. All right, calling us from the Cleveland, Ohio area, we have Steve Loomis. Steve, a career member of the Cleveland Police Department, past president of what is the name of the union Cleveland Police Patrolman's Association. And how long did you do that, Steve? Uh, nine years. All right. So you, you're intimately familiar with police procedures and protocols. In addition to being you know, a member of the agency for a long period of time, you're acutely aware of, of what's going on, not just in Cleveland, but also, I hate to put it this way, is Cleveland a bellwether for what's to come for other cities across the United States and we're going to yeah. talk about so many so many things that are happening. First, before we get into the details of that, can you give us an overview of your career? I, uh, I'm a six-year veteran of the United States Navy. Um, I began here my career here in Cleveland in 1993. I'm in basic patrol. I trained, uh, loved training rookies as an FTO. I ended up going into the detective bureau in our strike force unit, which is a major crimes unit. I um, absolutely love doing that job. Um, got elected in 2006 to to be the president of the Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association, which was a great honor, and just recently returned back to the Detective Bureau in the 3rd District, and I'm out uh, out on the street again. I love being a policeman, and uh, that's an easy job. That union job is, is hard. I can only <laughs> but, imagine the, the yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, I've been a lifelong member of the Fraternal Order Police Lodge 3 in Baltimore since 1980. They went through so much in my career. So it's not as easy as people might think, you know, they represent the good. And they represent, represent those who have gotten uh, in trouble for doing things wrong. So you yeah. got to represent both equally and strongly because so many people are charged with stuff. They never did anything wrong. So my hat's off to you for your service in the Navy, service with Cleveland Police Department. Thank you very much. You know, I noticed that I, I don't say thank you enough to my brothers and sisters in law enforcement. Uh, so I'm trying to make it a, a, a habit of force myself to say that all the time because I do appreciate it. I know how difficult it can be. Cleveland well, we and Baltimore, very similar cities. Very similar cities. You know, the uh, 
I, I know the former police union president there very well. You know, we were going through the same time you guys were dealing with Freddie Gray situation in Baltimore. We were dealing with Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice was a five foot seven, hundred ninety one pound, twelve year old kid that was at a rec center pointing a gun at people, and um, you know the guys were on a gun run and they rolled up on him, and for whatever reason he pulled the gun out of his waistband. And, uh, and and the young rookie officer shot him. And, uh, you know, so uh, we've had the same types of controversies and with the same outcome, you know. Um, that was absolutely tragic, what happened here in Cleveland. It's tragic what happened in Baltimore with Freddie Gray. But what are you going to do? I mean, we're being called into those neighborhoods. We're being called into those situations. Um, in our case, Tamir Rice was pointing a gun for 20 minutes at random people in the park, you know, the African American gentleman that called the police nine one one said he's scaring the the blank out of me with that thing. He actually waited to call until Tamir Rice had turned his back on him because he didn't want to get shot, thinking that um, uh, he was calling the police on him. You know, so those are situations that we're drawn into every single day. And, you know, it's a tragic outcome for everybody, for the officers involved, for their families, you know, for the profession. The, the only people that seem to benefit from these things is the media, because they go crazy with this false narrative. The politicians, because they go crazy with the false narrative, thinking that it's garnering votes. And um, agenda-driven organizations that need that controversy to put bread on their table and justify their existence. That's a whole lot um, of organizations being, being that, that do that. And you know, just the, the news media bias and, and spin, for example. You know, the old saying in Baltimore, if it bleeds, it leads. And I know that is the case for most cities. And if they yeah. can take any story that involves a police officer and spin it in a negative way in the headline, they know they'll get a lot of eyeballs on it. And the facts of the matter, the facts of the story that justify what the officer did or usually buried at the bottom of the article knowing sure. full well that no one's going to read that far. Yeah, well, look at Ferguson. I mean, that that, that singular event did more damage to, to our profession and put more police officers in jeopardy than anything in my career that I can remember. And what has it done? Now we have the Ferguson effect. You know, that is in full bore, you know, that... Anybody in the world can sit there and say, there's no such thing as a Ferguson effect. I'm telling you absolutely without question there is. Everybody I've um, talked to, Steve, says there is a Ferguson effect. There is sure. a Baltimore effect. And it's a, a nationwide thing. You know, and what's happening is you have law enforcement officers that are reluctant to do their job when it could appear that they acted harshly or hastily. And we've already seen nationally what can happen when Law enforcement officers don't engage in a violent situation. For example, Parkland. We yep. see the devastation. We see the loss of life. We see the impact on all the family members that lose loved ones. And we see the impact on the entire community. And this is being driven, just in my opinion, by the yep. media, by these special interest groups, and by, to some degree or another, the federal government with the consent decree. Am I way off base on all this? No, no, you're right on. You're right on target with that. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the men and women that are out in the trenches in the zone cars, 
the first responders, they have, um, they really have no idea what it is that they're supposed to do at this point. Um, I, I could tell you that firsthand here in Cleveland. As a union president, I've defended officers um, that handled the exact same type of situation in two polar opposite ways, and both sets of officers went up on charges for it. You know, what the heck are we supposed to do? You know, you talk about, well, you get two days off, three days off. Well, that that's a big chunk of change for a guy that's uh, here in Cleveland. We're the lowest paid big city in the state um, by thousands of dollars. That's a big chunk of change when you live in paycheck to paycheck. It doesn't sound like a lot. Oh, you got a three-day suspension. For what? Our officer in the, in the Tamir Rice case, four independent agencies, federal, state, and local, investigated that thing for any criminal wrongdoing. They, they exonerated those officers. The grand jury here in Cuyahoga County no-billed those officers. The prosecutor would not pick that case up and would not prosecute it. They did nothing wrong. It's tragic. We said that from day one. Um, the mayor put together a crack squad of independent investigators to see if we did any anything wrong administratively or if they broke our training to a person on that committee. And I was, as the union president, I was very worried about that because we had some activists that were on there, people that didn't have an investigative background. Um, it seemed like the fix was in to me. And to their credit, you know, five months later, they came back with no administrative rules were broken on this, you know, with this young officer. He didn't do anything wrong. Now, was this a situation and, where the, the young man, the 12-year-old, had a BB pistol and it looked like a, a semi-automatic uh, handgun? Yes. And as the uniformed officers pulled up to him, they're on a gun run. Somebody had called and said, hey, this guy is pointing a gun at people in this park. It's an open rec center. As they pulled up, the only thing that they're thinking is, he's gonna. it's a guy with a gun. It's a bad neighborhood. It's a known gang clubhouse, if you will. And it's not unreasonable to think that, that, that that's really going on there. And the last thing that you want is that kid running into the rec center with a gun. Right. So they positioned themselves in between him and the rec center, hoping that he was going to run out into the field. And he didn't. He turned for some unknown, probably his youth and inexperience, um, instead of just standing still and keeping his hands where everybody could see him. Or, or even running would have been a better result. At that point, he turned towards the officers, and he pulled that gun out of his waistband. Now, it's not fair to law enforcement to expect us to sit and wait and see what's going to come out of that gun, whether it's a BB or a bullet. It's not fair to my wife, my kids, you know, our mothers, our fathers. It's, it's just not fair, and, and it's something that we're not going to tolerate. We're not going to tolerate that, that way of thinking, um, and you see that, and I have more guys retiring now at 25 years. We can stay on until 33 years. Um, I get more guys retiring now the day of their anniversary than ever before. You know, they just want to get the hell out of here and be done with this nonsense. And we can't recruit anybody. Right. We had 600 people sign up for our last test. When I took it 25 years ago, it was 5,000. You know, so uh, they're doing law-abiding citizens a disservice with this false narrative. Um, up here, Steve Dettelbach was the, the U.S. attorney that was, you know, pushing this thing and uh, this consent decree. And 
um, just doing an absolute disservice because they took th- this is how they railroaded this. Thing. I'm gonna have to stop you here for a moment. We're gonna take a right. short break. Uh, we're talking with Steve Loomis. Uh, you're listening to Law Enforcement today. We'll be right back. I promise you, you don't want to miss what's coming up, so don't go anywhere. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-569-2507. That's 800-569-2507. Again, 800-569-2507. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-948-6817. That's 800-948-6817. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore City Police Sergeant. Joining us on the phone, we have Steve Loomis. Uh, Steve, uh, career police detective, uh, past president of... Uh, Cleveland Police Patrolman's Association. You know what it's like, what's going on. You, you see what's happening now. And uh, you've also been in front of the media quite a bit. As a matter of fact, you've been on Fox & Friends several times, haven't you? Yeah, Fox & Friends, MSNBC... CNN, you know, MSNBC and CNN are are challenging, you know, when you go on those shows. Fox is a little bit more law and order and uh, law-abiding citizen friendly, which is which is what they should be. And uh, yeah, so I do I do quite a bit of media. Do you find that I, the, the the media is receptive to hear what you have to say? Yes. They uh, they absolutely are. We had the RNC here, Republican National Convention here in 2016, and that's kind of when I uh, was introduced to these folks. 
the, the media contacts that I have now, and um, they're absolutely receptive. They they know. In my case, you know, we had a, a, a situation where WalMarts were selling Black Lives Matter uh, merchandise shirts, you know, and they they called me and I told them exactly how I felt about that. You know, Walmart has a responsibility as a large corporation to not do things that are going to divide this country uh, worse than it is. And I asked them on Fox News, I said, what are they going to do next? Sell white hooded sheets for the Klan? You know, that would be no less offensive to law-abiding citizens and law enforcement across this country. You're absolutely you know? right. And, you know, I, I've actually had to work situations in Baltimore uh, where the Klan and other white supremacist groups wanted to protest and uh you know, we as police have to make sure that their rights are protected, rights of free speech, yes. even though we find it deplorable. And we had to make sure that they were safe. But we also made it quite clear, very, very clear, because I was the sergeant that day, acting lieutenant, that if he stepped out of line one iota, yep. it would have been very ugly. And they'd all been yep. hauled off to jail. And you know what? Not, not a drop of blood was shed. You know, that's, yep. sometimes and, that's the and, best and, you can do. Yeah, and, and, and God bless you for, for taking that stand as a supervisor. Um, our chief, uh, Chief Williams here in Cleveland, did a very good job with that as well. Uh, we had an open line of communications. As a union president, I had communications uh, with the leadership of these different various organizations and groups that came here, especially during the RNC, and said, listen, we dig America, man. That we're all about the Constitution. We're all about your right to free speech. You can come here and say anything that you want, and we're going to make sure that you're safe doing it. Please don't throw a rock at my guys. Oh yeah. If you throw a rock at my guys, then all bets are going to be off, and things are going to get really bad really quick. And I can guarantee we would win. Yeah, I, I, we, yeah, we were going to win that battle, and they knew very clearly yeah. that the line was drawn in sand, and we were not retreating. You know, as police officers. You can't retreat. You, no. What we said in the beginning of this interview, we saw what happened in Parkland when law yep. enforcement doesn't take a proactive, aggressive stance against violence. People lose their lives. And that's a direct yep. threat to everyone across the United States because this isn't just a Cleveland problem. It's not a Baltimore-only problem. This is happening all over the country. And we have officers who are saying, I, I don't know if I want to uh, take a chance. Well, I have uh, I have a 19-year-old son that's wanted to be a policeman ever since I can remember. And uh, he's actually going to college for criminal justice. And I am pushing him towards the fire department. You know, <laughs> you know I don't say, want him. We used to say, if you want to be and loved and hear to everybody, be a, police, uh, be a firefighter. That's what we used to say. Yeah. That, I mean, that absolutely breaks my heart because I love the men and women in this job. 99.9% of them take it for the right reasons. They want to make a difference instead of sitting around on the couch and complaining about everything and and running their mouth. They're out there actually making a difference. There's not a police officer in this country, by the way, with a, uh, more than a year on the job that hasn't done more for his or her community than any single politician in that community. I guarantee you that. You know, these politicians, they sit behind these desks and they have these big lofty speeches and they play around with our money. In the city of Cleveland, they, the city council, we have 17 councilmen, they've cut our budget, our operating budget, 
17 years in a row. I have, I have funding for 200 police officers that we don't have on the road, because not because we don't have the money for them, but because the leadership is not hiring them. You know, and, and as the union president, I bring that to their attention continuously. I have 12 guys in the homicide unit. Um, I was at a meeting. We have four guys in our narcotics unit. We don't have an auto theft unit here. You know, we don't Zero have a marine auto unit. Theft unit. Zero auto theft unit. That falls on the, uh, you know, somebody's car gets stolen. That falls on the detectives in each of the districts. But the auto theft unit, as you, I'm sure, know, the auto theft unit didn't didn't deal with the individual stolen cars. They dealt with the chop houses right. and the business end of it. The ones that create a demand for the stolen the stolen parts. So that's where the real Absolutely. money is. And if you've never so had your car stolen, you, you don't understand how how obtrusive it is to go to get ready to go to work one day and your car is gone. Yeah, yeah. And these, you know, and uh, and your car is paid off now. Yeah, right. Your car is paid off. You just paid it off. It got stolen. Now you're into another car payment, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, and it's just, don't say, don't tell me that that's a victimless crime. It is not a victimless crime. And the other thing we used to always say is no matter what neighborhood you move to, no matter how good a neighborhood, yep. you're only a stolen car away from being a victim of extremely violent crime. Yep. And Absolutely. The, the number one means of transportation for violent criminals career criminals and felons are stolen vehicles that's what they use to do bank robberies abductions shootings they don't take their own car because they know be too easy to track them down to them with the registration so they steal someone else's yeah they just did a drive-by shoot they did a drive-by shooting of a house two of my cars four officers two two two-man cars went there to investigate it while they were there the same stolen van came back down the road and opened fire on them. On the, well, the uniform, uniform officers cars. and marked cars. Two marked cars sitting in the road, two cops in the house, four kids in the house, um, two cops standing outside with, with other neighbors and stuff. Everybody hits the dirt. These dummies didn't hit them, thank God. Thank didn't hit anybody. That. You know, but what what are we doing to promote this. We just you know, had uh, an officer just just recently, and I, I think it was West Memphis, maybe, uh, a young mm-hmm. police officer off-duty in his apartment with his family, and that sort of thing happened out front, uh, where two guys started shooting each other, errant bullets went into the house, shot and killed this young officer. And this young yep. officer was off-duty time, so the city saying since he's off duty, there's gonna be no line of duty death benefits to the family. Uh, so it's this sort of thing cannot be taken lightly, folks. We are talking with Steve Loomis, lifelong career police officer, police detective, uh, been involved in uh, police union obligations and responsibilities. We're talking about Cleveland, Ohio, the police department, the consent decree, and, and how this is shaping police response across the United States. Is Cleveland a bellwether for things to come across the U.S.? We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Law Enforcement Today. We'll be right back. 
If you are current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military and are considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money. 10% of the agent's commission goes back to you. Additionally, they donate 5% of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice. Current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military, considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave online at honorthebrave.com. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined on the phone by Steve Loomis. Steve, I'm so glad you are here with us today. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you very much for having me, sir. Now, I realize we're not Fox and Friends. I realize we're not CNN. We're not MSNBC. But one of the things that you and I both agree on, for way too long, law enforcement officers, their family members, and we consider ourselves a big family. Doesn't matter what department you're from. We have relied for too long on other news media outlets to tell our stories. And they've been telling our stories incorrectly. And now they're doing it in a biased, slanted way to attract more eyeballs to their story. So people like you and I telling these stories, you coming on is so valuable. People need to hear it. I want to thank you so very much. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. We, but listen, and this is why we do a terrible job at it. Because the men and women that are out here aren't doing the job for the notoriety like the politicians are. You know, they're doing the job because they're doing it from the heart. Most of them are doing it from the heart. And they, you know, I get my guys up here to call me. I says, if something good happens on that body camera, I want to know about it because I'll pull it and I will get it to the media, you know, because we have to do a much better job of getting all the heroics, the great things that the men and women of all the first responders, not just police, but primarily, you know, police, as far as I'm concerned, are doing out there. So now what we're seeing, when we first got these cameras, or they were talking about getting these cameras here in Cleveland at the very beginning of this consentically nonsense that they started, I was dead set against it. I'm an old school police officer. There's there's subject to interpretation. Um, You know, it's really nasty video it's not it's not clear it's not like the movies you know everybody's thinking that you're going to see that shooting from beginning to end in the movies and so i go out to lunch with my friends from the NAACP with my friends from the ACLU and i do mean friends sure you know i have relationships with these folks and i look at them i says what the hell are you doing you want big brother to to you're the ACLU man you want big brother filming all your stuff Filming your business, you should be dead set against this. 
Well, they weren't. They wanted it because, you know, the police are out there just running crazy, you know, murdering all the unarmed black guys in the world, which you and I both know is, is completely void of fact. It's a false narrative. Oh. And I don't know of any officer that would tolerate that kind of stuff happening. No. No one's going to go to jail for somebody else doing criminal murders. No one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so now what we're seeing up here, at least in Cleveland, is now the NAACP and the ACLU are taking kind of a step back, you know, and they're trying to regulate. They just want to see the body cam video of anything that's involving the officer's uh, use of force. That's it. They want us to get rid of everything else. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to see the good, the bad, the ugly here. So let me, you know, you let me ask straight, they want it to be evidence only when the officer does something wrong, but not evidence of when crimes are committed yeah, against police. You know? And we went through that with uh, videotaping statements, you know, of, of uh, in our homicide unit. You know, they wanted to videotape the statements when a, there was a police-involved shooting, and they just wanted to videotape the, the, the police officers. And, you know, we took them to task on that. We took them to court on that and said, absolutely not. You're not going to single out police officers. Now, if you're going to interview suspects on video, if you're going to interview witnesses on video, you know, if you're going to cut your teeth on that with this new system that you have, that's fine. But you have got me messed up if you think that I'm going to sit there and allow you to videotape and scrutinize just the police officers that are involved in these things, it's not going to happen. Be fair about it. And we actually won that suit. Good. You know, the judge agreed with us on that. So um, all we're looking for is a fair shake here. That's one of the things that we didn't have back in the day. And, you know, I always said if we had video cameras, body cams back in the day, you know, I would have been immediately exonerated from 99.99% of any complaints, especially about discourtesy, you know, because that was a standard policy in in cities like Baltimore. You arrest a drug dealer, a guy with a gun, they would make a complaint of discourtesy and excessive force, even if you didn't put your hands on them, even if you did nothing. You put the cuffs on too tight. Yeah, and then that way the, the defense attorneys say, well, we've got allegations of this and that. And uh, so that was used as a bargaining chip. Uh, most of the time yeah. they didn't win. But one of the flip sides that I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. you know, police officers have an incredible amount of, and I say police, not just police officers, law enforcement officers in general across the United States, have an incredible amount of discretion. We never arrested everyone who violated the law. Uh, if they broke a, a law and committed a crime, you know, all, quite often you would say, well, it's not worth it and, and try to give them a break. I've heard many officers say now that they're on body camera, that option's been taken away. Yep. That's 100% true. And, and we make no bones about that. I've done a lot of media. I go to these community groups. I go to these community meetings. Sometimes it's 50 people in an auditorium. Sometimes it's 250 people in a church. East side, west side, I'll go wherever somebody wants to talk. Because I, think, I do believe that that's the key to improvement and the key to success. It's just communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, you know, you're at a traffic stop. Um, you don't have that discretion anymore to, to advise warning sign. Um, you know, the chief will tell you all day long that you do until the complaint, co- you know, you let that person go and the complaint comes. Right. Right. Which we all know happens. It sure you know, does. Time you, 
these guys get jacked up is when they give somebody a break. You know, and, and I could see these officers trying to give someone, let's say, has an open container of alcohol a break, you know, pours sure. it out. And they say, well, in theory, when an officer does that, what they've technically done is they destroyed evidence and can be yeah. found guilty of a crime. So if it's on body camera, guess what's going to happen? They can't give you a break anymore. Yep. How many, back in our day, I mean, how many, how many pounds, you know, in my Don't even say it, brother. Pot. Don't even say it. <laughs> you know, because, I'm telling you, man. You, you know the joint in the ashtray. Yeah. I, uh, come on, you know, know. Give me a break with that. That's what. Um, that's especially what in the in the city, you know, in the city environment. Now, some other places, and I'm not criticizing anybody that that you know takes action on a joint in the ashtray. I'm I'm really not. In the city of Cleveland, there's a lot bigger fish to fry than than dealing with that guy. Yeah. And uh, I had a young officer that actually had, they went to an apartment for a domestic and there was a little dime bag of weed sitting on the, on the table of the thing. He called the boss, the boss, the Sarge came in and said, just have her flush it down the toilet. And because she was the victim, she was claiming it was hers. She was the victim of the domestic violence, both the Sergeant and the, and the cop, because it was on body camera, both the Sergeant and the cop, you know, and, uh, uh, instead of using their discretion in dealing with that situation, they both went up on charges, and yeah. they both got time off for that. So we don't have... When we say time off, uh, it's not a mini vacation. They lost money. Yeah, they lost money. They got they got days off. I think the sergeant got two days off, and the patrolman got one. And by the way, those case. bills, just like everybody else, the bills for the house, the electric, the utilities, they don't stop coming, so you lose two yeah. days pay. Uh, that's... That is something that really, really hurts. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple incidents that just recently happened in Cleveland uh, that most people may not be aware of. We're talking with Steve Loomis from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, career police detective. You're listening to Law Enforcement Today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. If you are current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military and are considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money. 10% of the agent's commission goes back to you. Additionally, they donate 5% of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice. Current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave online at honorthebrave.com. Do you owe back taxes to the IRS? Newsflash, the president has changed the tax laws. And now, you may be able to pay the IRS less. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, the tax doctor can help you pay the IRS as little as possible allowed by law. There are new tax laws for business owners, the self-employed, even W-2 workers. If you have a back tax problem or a few years of unfilled returns, new help to save you money is now here. Call right now to see how the new 
tax laws can help you. Plus, right now, we'll waive the consultation fee and give you a free tax savings report. Attention business owners, the self-employed, and W-2 workers. Make this free call to the tax doctor now and learn how to take advantage of the new tax laws that may help you pay the IRS less. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. Back in the law enforcement today's studios, joined on the phone from the Cleveland, Ohio area, we have Steve Loomis. Steve, two things that showed up recently. One I was made aware of by you. Mm-hmm. That involves a, a basketball hoop and a public street in a residential neighborhood. And the other one was something you alluded to earlier in our conversation about a uh, marked police vehicles with uniformed officers being shot at and a chase that ensued that was stopped. Let's talk about this pursuit, for lack of better words, first. Give me a okay. bird's eye view of what happened, the duration, and what the outcome was. The, um, the the night before the actual pursuit, the car was taken in an aggravated robbery. It's taken from somebody at gunpoint. Uh, the police, my guys got behind it. The car stopped, backed up into them, purposely trying to disable the zone car, and took off. They were not allowed to pursue it. The following night, we have an investigative unit called the NICE unit. Um, they were out in undercover cars. They were out in uniform cars. They were looking for this vehicle. Um, the undercover cars found it. The uh, sergeant of the unit got behind it. Uh, they tried to pin it in and, you know, tried to, to block the car in, and the car took off on him, uh, took a shot at him, and took off on him. Um, the sergeant, who's, who's a veteran, called out a very calm, very professional pursuit. Um, gave all the information that a sergeant would know to give, you know, that we're not dealing with a rookie with two weeks on the street here. Very calm, cool, collected, knew the information to give out, gave the information out. And uh, a very junior sergeant, who's the sector supervisor, technically responsible for that chase. Now, this is at uh, midnight. This is late at night, very little traffic out and um, very low speeds, you know, 50 miles an hour, nothing crazy with the speeds, a lot of turning, you know, there was a lot of turning. Typical for a lot of Uh, city residential areas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, um, the sergeant was doing a good job staying with them. Um, cars were on the way to go help. And the, uh, the young sergeant called the chase off. You could have, you could have heard, um, the Tourette's, um, that that was coming from every cop that was sitting in their car, or sitting on the radio, listening to that. That that man called that chase off. Um, if we are not allowed to chase suspects that shoot at us, then it's time to go. You know, call some security companies in here and let them have at it. If you're not going to let me chase somebody who tried to kill me simply to get away in a stolen car. And it's really, really time to go. I mean, this this whole situation needs to be reevaluated. What do you think that that kid that took that shot at that sergeant is saying? You know, what's he doing? He's getting on social media. Yeah, fired up the popo. They didn't do nothing. They're not nothing. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Getting all his guys wrapped up in that. And that's going to promote more violence and continued violence against law enforcement. And if they're willing to shoot at us, folks, they're willing to shoot at anybody. That's exactly and, the and point. That's a fact. That's exactly the point. And, you know, our, we had a policy in Baltimore we didn't pursue unless it was a convicted fleeing felon of the dangerous type. So mm-hmm. if, if an officer was being shot at by someone, that's you witness an act of violence, a felony uh, of a very dangerous type, and you went after him. You pursued him. Because yep. to let them go would put other people's lives in danger, whether it be another responding officer, uh, the old lady is coming across the street corner, whatever it might be, or yep. what they might do the next day. You know, these, these violent career criminals don't just stop. They keep on no. doing the same thing, and they don't care who their victims are. Well, even even when you stop chasing them, they don't stop. They no. keep. Yeah, I can't tell you how. Well, you probably know how many times. Ten blocks away, did the guy that, that we were chasing that we stopped chasing crash into a pole or a car or a bus full of kids or yeah. whatever? You know, without the benefit of having police cars behind them with the lights and sirens blaring, at least giving people a warning that we're coming. Yeah, and, and you know, we, usually, that was just un, that was. That was unforgivable, and we we did not yeah. hold back at all. So the the, the fact that this was called off and uh, unbelievable, just and then the chief the, the the chief is on his heels now, saying, "Oh no, we're going to chase you." You know, he went on TV. We're going to chase you. We have a policy. We're going to chase you as long as you stay within that policy. You know, and in this case, we would have continued. Uh, that was a mistake on the sergeant's part, and. Chase should have been allowed to continue, but the policy is written in such a way that you cannot possibly survive it. The only way you survive the policy is if you have uh, an arrest and there's no injuries or no property damage or, or nothing else, because the policy clearly in the policy, it says if the vehicle that you're pursuing is breaking traffic laws, you are to self-terminate. Breaking traffic laws. What do you think these guys that are running? You know, they just shot at the cops. You think he's stopping the stop signs? <laughs> yeah, no. So you know, it's written to set the cops up for failure. Who who wrote if that? If it turns out good, and they make the arrest, and all he does is hit a tree, and they make the arrest to get the gun, then everybody's high fiving, right? She's right. real happy. Right. Who, who wrote turns that? Out bad, who wrote that policy? The, the chief, the chief, the Department of Justice. The, the federal monitors decree. that are here with this consent decree. Um, it is the most ridiculous thing that you've ever read. You know, I'll send you a copy of it. Yeah. Same I, with I've, our use I've of heard stories policy. from Baltimore where, you know, uh, for, and this is just an example. I've talked to, to, to men and women still on the job, and they say, you know, if someone is a, a known career violent drug dealer, uh, they have to let them know they're under investigation. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm going to be coming after you soon. You know, that, yeah. that, that's you know, are you kidding me? Where, where, well, is, how about I, where I does got that make one sense? better for you? I, I got one better for you up here in Cleveland. If your car is taken in an aggravated robbery, somebody puts a gun in your face. Um, in the case, in in this particular case, it was a 20 year old college student put the gun in her face, stole her car, right? But the guys get behind it. They 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 start chasing them. They call the chase off. Right. This is this was a fresh one. I was so incensed at that. And my guess, what is the message that you're sending to the cops? Right. You know, let alone anybody else. So I called the, the victim 
and I got a hold of her father, and I sent the media over. Who her father was not a happy camper that we had these guys in our sights, so we let him go. Sent the media over, and man, he made an impact statement that you wouldn't believe. You know, but here in Cleveland, if that car is taken in an aggravated robbery on Monday, taken at gunpoint on Monday, and you get behind it on Wednesday, you're not allowed to chase it. Um, makes zero sense because it wasn't freshly taken. So you don't know. It could be, you know, grandma driving the thing. No, you know, I want, as a detective in the Cleveland Police Department, I want the guy that was in that car that was taken in at gunpoint because if he's not the guy that did it, he knows who Absolutely. he got that car from, and now I got something I can work with to go backwards. And chances are he's not using that car for just joyriding. It's uh, no, for, for commit no, other serious never, crimes. Yeah, they never do. Now, we're running out of time, but there's another thing that, you know, i got to give kudos to your department, uh, to the officers involved. This is not a, a, a atypical situation. You had a, a politician who saw kids playing basketball in the street with a hoop in a residential neighborhood. And, and what did this politician do? Actually, he's the president of the city council. Um, he called the, the uh, commander of the district that this happened in and said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. Go pick up that basketball pole. Um, these kids are playing in the street with the basketball pole. And this is a residential neighborhood. It's not a high tra- traffic area. The commander orders my guys to come in, trade their police car in for a van, a prisoner van, go pick up the basketball pole and issue the owner a citation, right, which is 250 bucks. The guys get there. It's not... You know, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids out there cussing and creating a problem. It's a bunch of 8, 9, 10-year-olds, 12-year-old. Little kids. Uh, 12-year-old kid with Down syndrome, Brian, beautiful kids, you know. So the guys call the boss and say, hey, listen, can I just issue him a warning and help him get the pole up in the driveway? Explain stuff to him. Nope, can't do it. The, the, the city councilman wants it gone. The commander ordered us to do it. we got to take it. So they call me, and I, you know, I said, I told the guys, I says, call that supervisor and have him come up there. But because by now, neighbors are coming out, they're yelling at the cops, of the course, kids are crying. It was chaos up there. Leave those kids alone; they're just playing. You know, we played in the street. You know, yeah. car timeout, right? Right. So they did. The boss came up and he stuck to his gun. And says, "Nope, we got to take it." So they took it and they called me back. I was at home. And I just lost my mind. I mean, you want us to get out in the community. You want us to get in with the kids and and, and do these types of things. We want to do that. And then you order us into a neighborhood to do something that you don't have the the kahunas to come out and do yourself. Right. They came up with a pretty good remedy. Yeah, yeah. We went to, I went to Walmart um, with a couple business donations from a couple businesses, the Northeast Ohio Fallen Heroes Fund. And the officers that were involved, and, and myself, we all threw some money at it. Uh, my son and I went to Walmart. We picked them up a new basketball pole, a bunch of balls, and it took for, uh, I, I should admit this, but it took four cops three hours to put this thing together. You know? <laughs> hey, look, construction's not <laughs> it, my strong suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it put it together, took it to the neighborhood. We didn't take any media with us. The neighbors came out with the cell phones and all that, and... I guess they put it on Facebook or the Twitter. Or, so I don't, I'm old. I don't understand all we'll that. We have stuff, to make but. sure that Bobby White, the basketball cop, gets that. And, and you know, this sort of thing, 
police officers, first responders, law enforcement officers, sheriff's deputies, state troopers. They do across the country every day. Every day. Because they care about the community. They really care about the kids in the community. They they care about everybody's welfare, and they want the best for everyone. You had mentioned Bobby White, and he actually saw this thing. It's got over a million hits. Excellent. And he saw it, and he actually got in contact with me about that. So he has an organization down there. I'm sure you know more about it than I do. I know Bobby. He's a good guy. Basketball Foundation. Phenomenal stuff. Again, He's going to send us some stuff up here. So Steve Loomis. Thank you very much, man. Uh, Tell everybody up there, keep up the good work, and we'll have you back again in the future. Anytime at all. Thank you very much, sir. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. If you want to be a guest on the show, just contact us. The easiest way is go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, the Contact Us tab. Send an email to me, jay at lawenforcementtoday.com, or robert at lawenforcementtoday.com. You can also send a message via Facebook. We're all over this thing called the World Wide Web, Instagram, and all that stuff, too. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Got more great guests heading your way next week. So until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. (laughs) 